morning comes from Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34, if you see the title, it says, The Prophecy Against the Shepherd of Israel. And then I'm going to read from verse 1 to 16 and because it's really relevant to the sermon text. Ezekiel 34. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherd of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherd of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherd feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with the force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered, because they were, there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, they wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. Therefore you shepherd hear the word of the Lord, as I live declares the Lord God, Surely, because my sheep have become a, pr a prey, and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since, th since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched m for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves, and have not fed my sheep, therefore you shepherds hear the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherd, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer the shepherd feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouth, and they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks the, the, his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on the day of, the, of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries, and, bring, and bring, will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravens, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in a good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, 
and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Let us rise and sing from Psalm 25, 1, 2, and 3. If you please open your Bible to Luke 15, then we are going to read from Luke 15. There are um, three parables, very uh, well-known lost parables, and then we are going to read the first one, the lost sheep. First one. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees of the scribes grumbled, saying, This man received the sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does he does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, In Canadian Reformed churches, it seems that uh, sitting with your family during the worship service is a huge deal. Even now, I see each family is sitting together in each row. Of course, elders are exceptions. But sometimes I hear from elders when they're not on the duties, they say something like, Oh, now I can sit with my families. I think this implies so many things. I mean, it's uh, such a beautiful tradition in Canadian Reformed churches that seeing whole families sitting together before the Lord, praising to the Lord, is a very beautiful thing. Sitting together can also signify other things. I remember when I was in a pew one Sunday, when I was the first year, I discovered something very interesting about this Canadian Reformed culture. One day, there was a young man was sitting in the church with a beautiful lady, and people around me started to make raise raise their eyebrows. It seems that they were suspecting that there was some kind of romantic relationship going on between those two people. And of course, as a foreigner. I was so confused. I asked myself, how can people make th 
those kind of speculation based on two people sitting together. But then something even more amazing happened when the minister asked people to stand up and when the organist played the prelude, everyone stood up and the people saw that those two young, um, uh, young people were sharing the book of praise. And there was the moment that people thought, well, that's it. There's no need to dispute. They got to get married. <laughs> and then I realized that it's a, it's, a, it's a Canadian Reformed cultural thing, that it's a beautiful culture. I realized uh, that sitting together and sharing book of praise were not just a source of mere speculation, but there were the signs that confirms that those two people were in serious relationship. No wonder why people were raising their eyebrows. In our text this morning, Luke 15, we see that the Pharisees and uh, scribes were grumbling. And we see there, there some people were also raising their eyebrows. Luke 15 verse 1 said that, uh, says that all the tax collectors sinners drew near to, to Jesus Christ and Pharisees and scribes complained saying this man received the sinners and eats with them. The Pharisees and scribes saw that Jesus was being with the tax collectors and sinners. They were sitting on the same chair. They were sharing the same table. I don't know. The text doesn't explicitly mention that. But the text says that Jesus was receiving tax collectors and sinners. When the people, Pharisees, when they saw Jesus was associating with those sinners and tax collectors, they were probably raising their eyebrows. Of course, the reason why they were raising their eyebrows was different from the reason why Canadian Reformed people raising their eyebrows. The Pharisees, they not only raised their eyebrows, but they grumbled. And we may wonder why they were so grumbling. Let us consider the following theme and points when, while we go over what Jesus says in Luke 15. The theme is, the Lord seeks the lost, one lost sheep that repents. I'm going to go over First point, Jesus received the tax collectors and sinners. Second point, he tells us, he tells them, also tells us a parable. The third point, he explains the parable. First one starts with uh, the tax collectors and sinners all drawing near to Jesus Christ to hear him. And you probably heard about the tax collectors from other sermons uh, thousands of times. The tax collectors were the last people that you want to associate with at the time. Well, because of Israel was under control of the Roman Empire, they had to pay taxes. And then tax collectors were really nasty people. They were like parasites. They, it is hard for us these days to imagine, what, imagine 
that kind of social tendency because we are living in a different time in different place. But perhaps you can consider the tax collector as those people who collaborated with Nazis during the World War II. Of course, they were considered as traitors by their countrymen. But the Pharisees, they not only had the patriotic reasons but also had religious reasons to discriminate against tax collectors and sinners. And they did, so, they did so vigorously. The Pharisees thought that Messiah would not come to those who are ceremonially unclean. And of course, in order to be clean, they had to work hard, they had to fast, they had to pray constantly and keep all those religious obligations. In the Pharisees' mind, Messiah was not for the tax collectors because they were unclean. They were unclean by their nature. The tax collectors, they kept company with Gentiles. But as you see from the text, Jesus was reaching out even to those so-called parasites or unclean. More surprising thing is that Jesus even makes clear in Luke chapter 5, verse 30, that he came for those people. In Luke 5, Jesus was eating with a large company of tax collectors. In Luke 5, uh, verse 30, there were, there were also Pharisees grumbling and complained that Jesus was eating and drinking with the, those, those wretched sinners. And then Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And Jesus was receiving those who, who, who know their sins and repent with their contrite heart. We see in verse 2, we hear the complaints continued. The Pharisees and scribes grumble, saying, This man receives the sinners and eat with them. Please notice the word receive. It's not, it was not like Jesus happened to drop by accidentally by a group of uh, tax collectors and somehow happened to eat with them, but Jesus was receiving them with whole heart. And of course, this imagery seems very similar to Psalm 23. Remember our famous confession in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. In Psalm 23, verse 5, it says, You prepare a table before the presence of my enemy. Well, here, Jesus was having meal in the presence of those who hated him. And there Jesus was associating with those who were marginalized in society, even had a meal with them. Jesus does not abandon anyone who comes to him. He said, all those, the, all those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive them away. So when the tax collectors and sinners, when they saw Jesus Christ, the true good shepherd, they knew that Jesus was the one that they should follow. When, when they met Jesus, they really felt like their, 
they belong to the covenant. Brothers and sisters, we need to see the huge difference when it comes to the principles of Pharisees and Jesus Christ. Pharisees, because they had to work hard on their salvation through fasting, religious rituals, they thought that tax collectors and sinners did not belong to the kingdom of God. Pharisees, therefore, they marginalized tax collectors and sinners. Jesus Christ, on the other hand, because he himself offered the salvation not based on our merit, he welcomed anyone who repented. Just like Jesus said in Luke 5, those who are well have no need of physician, but those who are sick. The tax collectors and sinners came to Jesus Christ because they knew that they needed Jesus Christ. The religious leaders of Israel, they were the ones who were supposed to be a good shepherd. We read from Ezekiel 34. Yet they neglected those people because basically they were proud. They thought that they kept all the laws whereas the tax collectors and sinners did not. And let's imagine that someone from outside of church, someone we think as unclean, comes through that door, he might, I don't know, he might be a homeless and smell. And he comes to this church because he knows that Jesus will receive him. It is very difficult to ask this question, but what would be our reaction? Are we going to raise our eyebrows? Let's say there's a brother who, was in, who has been excommunicated because, let's say, he committed a horrible sin. And he comes back to church with contrite heart. He is terribly sorry for what he has done. And he repented. And the question is, are we able to welcome the brother with our arms wide open? Or are we still going to a little bit hesitant to welcome him? Well, that is a very difficult question. And we know if our brother truly repents, then we should ex- accept him without any hesitation. But as we sinful human being, we likely raise our eyebrows first. Well, thankfully, here in Luke 15, Jesus Christ, he has a parable for us. And this leads to the second point. He tells us the parable. The parable begins in verse 3. So he told them this parable. And he begins the, he begins the parable with a, a rhetorical question. He asks, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. The word, what men of you, it indicates the proper obligation of the shepherd. 
And let me explain why. In NIV, it translates as suppose one of you having a hundred sheep. In other words, he's applying this story to each, every one of you. Everyone thinks that looking for the Lord's sheep is the right thing to do. In fact, looking for the lost one is the very normal thing to do. You see, Jesus is applying this story to you and me. Let's say if you lost a dog, a cat, or it shouldn't happen, but your little child or even your housemate, would you not willing to go out there to find him? And please allow me to apply this story in a modern sense. I remember that my dad, he once took me for a walk on a mountain with, with many dogs. He, he really loves the dogs. And he usually put a leash on them. And on the mountain, my dad, he decided to give some freedom to those dogs by taking off the leash. And one dog, he ran away. And he, he decided to enjoy his freedom more. And he'd not come back, and my dad and I were really worried, calling his name. I think his name was uh, Lunchbox. And of course, he didn't reply. Perhaps he didn't like his name. Then my dad decided to go out there to look for the dog. And he said, Han, stay here and look after these dogs. I will go out there and find that dog. I was really young, and I was a little bit scared. But let me ask you this. What would you do if you were my dad? And some may ask questions, a question like, what about, what about the other 99 sheep? A text seems to say the shepherd left the 99 in the open country, and he continues to look for the lost one until he finds it. Isn't the shepherd an evil shepherd if... He abandoned the 99 behind? What if there is a bear? What if there is a tiger? What, what about those poor 99 sheep wandering around on the mountain or in the, in the wilderness? What about those, let's say in my story, what about those dogs on the mountain? What about Han? Well, we shouldn't think as if if the shepherd abandoned the whole flock by themselves. The reason is this. It's because it is likely that the culture at the time required more than one shepherd to watch that kind of large flock. Of course, 100 requires more than one shepherd. Therefore, we shouldn't think the shepherd abandoned whole flock for the sake of one. But the problem is, if you look carefully, the text also doesn't give any indication that there were more than one shepherd. But still, it does not mean that the shepherd abandoned the flock. If you see verse 3, if he has lost one of them, does not leave 99 in the open country. And please pay attention to the word the verb leave. The word leave does not have a meaning of abandoning. 
It is translated, translated as leave in a sense that when husband dies, he leaves behind his wife. It can be also translated as a separate. In Matthew 19 verse 5, the same word is used for this cause. Man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. Men, men, men leave their parents they get ma- when they get married. But it doesn't mean that men should abandon their parents and not care about them at all. The word leave should be understood simply as the opposite word of cleave, which is to separate. So the shepherd did not abandon the flock. If you think carefully, actually, the one who does not go out there to find the lost one, that is the evil shepherd. But thankfully, in the parable, the shepherd He leaves to find the lost one. And here is the great comfort for us, brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ, our true good shepherd, he persistently looks for the lost one. And he does so until he finds him. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what kind of wrong things you have done in the past. It doesn't matter whether you are poor or sick. The Lord is looking for the lost one. Even if it requires him to leave the 99. And he welcomes you when you repent. In verse 5, the shepherd puts the, he puts the lost sheep, sheep on his shoulders. And I remember, so did my dad. When he finally returned... He was holding the dog in his arms. For me, it was very surprising to see that because my dad, in my memory, my dad was a very strict man. And surprisingly, he didn't put a leash back on the dog, although it was the dog who abandoned my dad. And I thought perhaps my dad should have put a heavy chain around his neck for a lesson. I thought he should put a handcuff on his paws to teach him or discipline him. But instead, he carried the dog in his arms. It doesn't happen often. And when I saw that, I almost felt really, really bad because he didn't do that to me when I was lost once. Maybe he loved the dog more than me. What do you think, brothers and sisters? Did he really love the dog more than me? Do I have the right to be jealous? Do I have the right to be right to grumble? No. No. Why? Because I understood the reason. It is not because he loved the dog more than me, but because of the overwhelming joy that comes from finding something that he thought was lost. And I'm sure everyone here probably had a similar experience. And this joy is so great, so great that that the shepherd does not hold the joy to himself. He shares with others when he comes back. And so did my dad. He shared the joy with my mom, although my mom did not like the dogs. 
My mom always tried to get rid of the dogs because she said they smell, they eat too much, they, they don't listen to my mom, they always bark. And my dad, he knew, he knew that my mom wouldn't appreciate the news. But he told her anyway because it was such great news, great joy that nothing could stop him from saying those good news. If an earthly father was so joyful about finding that little silly dog, how much more joyful would our Heavenly Father will be when he hears the news, the news that one, one of his lost child was found in the heaven? The joy will be far much greater than my, what my dad had. Look at what, 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 hap, what the shepherd does. The shepherd comes home. He calls together not only his friends, but his neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And this is the response of our good shepherd, Jesus Christ, when he found each one of you sitting here. And that will be the response of our good shepherd when he finds the lost one. Of course, that is the response of our Heavenly Father when you repent. Of course, this explains why Jesus was receiving and eating with those tax collectors and sinners. We can draw near to Him, again, not because we are worthy, but because Jesus had paid the ransom for our transgressions. This reminds us of Isaiah 53, well-known passage. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each, each of us has turned to on our way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This leads to the final point, and Jesus explains in the parable. In verse 7, he, he, started to, he started to explain. And then before we get his explanation, it is always helpful to remember what was going on at the time when Jesus was telling us or telling them the parable. Remember that there were two groups of people who were listening. One is a group of tax collectors and sinners. The other were uh, Pharisees and, and the scribes. Both groups, they heard the same story. Both groups, they knew that it is right thing for the shepherd to go out there to find one lost one. But the parable created two different reactions in those groups. One group, the tax collectors and sinners, they were comforted. They were comforted because they found that Jesus was the true shepherd who cares about them. The other group, the Pharisees, they probably felt a great shame in their heart because they, they were well aware of Ezekiel 34. Well, we read uh, the Ezekiel 34, this prophecy against the leaders of Israel who were not faithful. The Ezekiel 34 had a, a serious warning against, of the, against the leader of Israel who did not care about the flock. They didn't care about, they didn't care, but they slaughtered the fat ones. 
The leaders did not feed the flock. They did not strengthen the weak. They did not heal the sick. They did not bound up the injured. They didn't go out there to look for the lost. The flock was scattered and nobody, nobody was going out there to look, out, look for them. The Pharisees, they were the spiritual leaders of Israel and they failed to shepherd them. Whether they were proud of what they have established, the Pharisees and scribes failed to see their sin and misery, whereas tax collectors and sinners, they knew how sinful they were. And we see this contrast between Pharisees and tax collectors when Jesus talked about prayers in Luke 18. And Pharisees, they stood up, he stood up by himself, prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like others, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. They said, if we are not like them, but they are sinners, they are outside of the fence. Whereas the tax collectors, he would not even look up to the heaven, beating his breast, said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Pharisees, they were satisfied with where they were. Of course, they were self-righteous people. They have nothing to lose. Why would they go out there to look for the lost? Pharisees and spiritual leaders, they built a fence around them. And if there was there was someone who came back to the church, they were not happy. They were not willing to welcome them. But unlike the Pharisees, just was different. He genuinely welcomed the sinners because he was the true shepherd that Ezekiel 34 was talking about. Ezekiel 34, 11, For thus says the Lord, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all places where they were scattered on the cloud, cloudy and dark day. Perhaps, perhaps we should ask this question. Do we want to be like Jesus Christ? Or do we want to be like Pharisees? Are we building a fence around us? Are we not building a fence that is made out of our pride? Are we ready to welcome our brothers and sisters who truly repent from their sins? And Jesus said in verse 7, I tell you that in the same way, there will be no more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Brothers and sisters, this parable is very simple yet very profound. This parable is a, is a, a strong message to repentance and call to action. If you repent from sin, no matter what the sin is, you will be welcomed. And you will join the great, great feast with our Savior Jesus Christ at the end. Even Pharisees were welcomed. They only had to repent. 
the Pharisees were the ones who really needed to repent. But whether Pharisees repented after they heard the parable, we do not know. We don't know whether Pharisees welcomed the tax collectors and sinners after they heard the parable. And Luke does not tell us how, us the end, how the Pharisees reacted. Of course, as I mentioned uh, in the beginning of the sermon, this is the, one of the series of three lost parables. We didn't cover the third one. But uh, if you look further, uh, you see the parable about prodigal son. The story ends suddenly. We don't really know how the first son reacted, whether he welcomed the prodigal son or not. And this kind of sudden ending, unfinished ending, is also a call to repentance or call to action. We see a similar ending in the book of Jonah. At the end of the book of Jonah, it says, And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and left hand and much livestock. Well, now we have heard the parable. What do you think that we need to do? That's a good question for a sermon session. Now, now the parable is told to us. The story with the open ending Asking you to act. How would you like to end your story? Brothers and sisters, please don't let yourself be like the boy who was on the mountain being jealous about, because, because, about the dogs because his dad was welcoming the dogs. Please remember that we are, were no better than any others outside of the church. Because it is mere God's grace that we are here today. When there is a brother or sister come back to church, if there is anyone outside of church comes to church and repent, of course, we should rejoice. And we find comfort in God's promise that the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. As some understand the slowness, Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Amen.